Well, for me, it was I had always lived an active lifestyle and I couldn't keep working out in the clothes that I was in because they were really restrictive and, you know, didn't fit. (laughs) Um, And the only other thing that was on the market at the time was 2XU and they were $200 for a pair of tights, which you could see straight through. So it wasn't Mm. an option, you know, like see my mama bum as I'm squatting. Hello and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpost, Homework Allure and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture. And yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. Hello. On today's episode, I have my dear friend, Sin, who I used to work with. We worked together for a number of years at a digital marketing agency. And during that time, she was starting her maternity and nursing activewear brand, which is called Maze Activewear. And I wanted to get her on the podcast today to talk about how she's built that business and what's worked and what hasn't worked. Sin is an incredibly talented entrepreneur and she has a background in psychology, digital marketing and building businesses. So she's been in the back end for a while of different businesses and building systems and processes and things like that. And then when she fell pregnant with her first baby, she really couldn't find good active wear that suited her active lifestyle. So she decided to go and create it. Her bras are phenomenal. I wear them constantly, not even joking. We touch on it in this episode. And we also talk about things like what's it like running a business with three kids, a full-time job. So Maze isn't, isn't her full-time gig. She actually has a job and then runs Maze on the side. And what it's like to run a business with three kids and a full-time job in the middle of a lockdown, stage four lockdown. What it's like to go through influencer partnerships that don't work out and how do you make it work for your business. And also, at the end, we talk about what is the business impact on your marriage. So running a business when you're a mum and also a wife has implications on that relationship as well. So you're going to love this chat with Sin. She is amazing. Make sure you connect with her on Instagram. So let's dive in. Welcome, Sin. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Now, we have a lot of history together, actually. We worked together before for a while. And I've watched you as we sort of met after you had your first baby and I came to work at the same agency that you were at and you were returning from mat leave and you were kind of working on a business idea in the background. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So after, uh, well, while I was on mat leave, I came up with the idea of um, starting my own business in maternity and nursing activewear. And that's quite a crowded space. So... Or was it's it crowded at the time? I yeah, it wasn't I guess that crowded. I, it's like everyone thought of the idea at exactly the same time. Yeah, everyone was like, "Hang on, we want to work out, and we're pregnant and breastfeeding, and we don't have any options to do that." Because yeah. there has been quite a bit of, um, of like at the at the time. I mean, it sounds like we're talking about the olden days, but it was really what four years ago. Yeah, it would mean yeah, four, four years ago. And um, and there wasn't like the big brands doing big activewear brands doing maternity and and um, post like postpartum ranges back then. So no. 
What, when you have that idea of starting a maternity, how do you refer to it? Is it a maternity active wear? Yeah. So yeah, maternity and nursing active wear. Okay. So when you have that idea, what, how do you then decide it's something that you want to pursue? Well, for me, it was, I had always lived an active lifestyle and, um, I couldn't keep working out in the clothes that I was in because they were really restrictive and, you know, didn't fit. <laughs> um, and the only other thing that was on the market at the time was 2XU and they were $200 for a pair of tights, which you could see straight through. So it wasn't mm. an option, you know, like see my mama bum as I'm squatting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that people thought that at the time when you're pregnant, you kind of then you don't want to work out anymore. I guess that's why it was a kind of a forgotten category in that people just assume yeah. that when you're pregnant, you don't want to lift weights or you don't want to squat or you don't want to run. And Yeah. Uh, well, it was. It, you're right. It wasn't really that long ago, but I remember I was on a treadmill with my my first pregnancy and I, like I was running and I was at the front of the group of treadmills and breezy looks because I was running. That is so... Yeah, I I remember the same situation in that I I would ride my bike pregnant and people are like, why are you riding your bike? Like you're pregnant. You just meant to sit down on the couch and do nothing for the next nine months. Although the, it, a lot of that has changed and maybe even like completely to the opposite end now with, you know, women working out and things like that and lifting yeah. quite heavy weights and, you know. Yeah. So when you do, when you do okay, identify that this is really a need that you wanted to fulfil just for yourself initially. Yeah. What do you then do? Like if I was thinking about starting an active wear range, I'd be like, uh, what do I do? Like what, who do you contact? What do you do to yeah. get that idea off the ground? That was the thing. So like I had all of the skills into, you know, set up a business and get everything else running. But the main thing that I didn't have skills in was, you know, the manufacturing was getting the actual product. Um, and that's been a very steep learning curve for me. Um, but yeah, just originally just went out. I should preface that in that um, my in-laws and my parents have come with a textile background. Okay. So whilst they couldn't really help me in terms of sourcing places to get it all done, I could then go to them and speak to them about stitching and, you know, quality of the garment and things like that. So I did have a little bit of help in that, you know, I'd get draw a little pattern on a piece of paper and then go to Alibaba and go through, you know, hundreds of different samples to find the one manufacturer um, to do, you know, the initial garment that came back and looked atrocious. (laughs) (laughs) And that wasn't even the one that actually went out to market, which when I look at it now, I'm just like, oh my God, I cannot believe I went to market with that. But anyway, it's a learning process. Yeah, I think... One of the, I've done a few interviews with people that are in product manufacturing and I've never been in that space myself. And so when everyone that I've spoken to is like, oh my God, product manufacturing is just like a whole new ball game. What yeah. about it is so challenging? <sighs> Working with <manufacturers, laughs> Where to start? <laughs> yeah. Where do I start? I'm um, like, I've gone through so many different manufacturers. Um, and each time I go through, like I'm learning a little bit more. Um, it's the fact that you know, you can't just go and order what you want. You've got, you know, minimum order quantities to try and get it to a cost that is then profitable for you to be able to go to the market and go, you know, it's great. Like I've got this one item for like, I don't know, $15, but if it's not going to sell at market for the cost that you can actually 
get it back to being profitable, then it's not really worth it. It's there's a, there's lots of little bits and pieces. Like each manufacturer I go to has different way that they put the garment together or the quality of their fabric, um, how they quote, and then you know the how long it takes to get a sample. Sometimes I'll only give you one sample. Sometimes, you know, you've got to go back and forwards with several samples to try and get the actual product that you want. And then sometimes it's even like the sample is amazing, but then when you go to bulk and you get it and you're just like, what is this crap? I've just paid thousands of dollars and it's not even the same as the sample. Because I guess they would give you their best stuff on the sample so then they go through and well, the purchase yes, order. sometimes they don't, but yeah, you weed those ones out quickly. But yeah, it's it's really just trying to find the right manufacturer. I, I, I've got a handful now that I completely trust, like, you know, have that good relationship with. I've tried so hard to manufacture in Australia, but it's just not feasible. Mm, I was talking to another, um, one of my other guests, Jane, and she does shoes and she was saying the same things. Like she would love to say that she could, manufacture locally but it just would make her product triple the price and there would be no market for it um but she's baked in elements of australian designed and using australian based everything where she can but sometimes it's actually just not and i think when you're in a global economy and a global marketplace anyway um we do have to be aware that we there won't be everything that we will be able to get that's manufactured in australia and maybe we don't have the might even not have the best manufacturing processes and quality anyway yeah and the thing is is like and the speed to market like even the manufacturers that we do have the amount of clients that they can take on board is minimal because trying to find someone who can sew here for them to keep their staff levels are up to skill is also like a challenge for them as well Mm. Um, whereas you just you just can't compete with overseas yeah you you mentioned before that's probably good to um, explain is how you had the skills to build a business, not necessarily that in the product manufacturing side, but you had skills. Can you go over those skills? Like what, what's your background in terms of how you got to where you are now before we should say the name of your brand is Maze, Maze Activewear, but before you started Maze, what were you doing and how did you develop skills that made starting a business less challenging than it might've been otherwise? Yeah, so I've worked in different areas of like different businesses, um, but I guess for me, like I knew sales and you know creating processes and all, all of those bits and pieces, and building help build a, like a startup business, like getting in those policies and procedures, um, hiring staff, you know, creating a course on how to build someone else's business and things like that, um, and in the digital. Sp- so I knew all of those skills um, and just kind of implementing everything that I knew. Um, yeah, I guess for mine where it lacked was the actual product. So, mm. you know, I could get that website up and running um, and be able to market it quite quickly through various different channels where I find that that's where most people start. That's where their downfall is. Like they, you know, they're the technicians where they know their product inside out and then they're like oh I've got a product I've got a website don't know how to get it out now whereas I'm like yeah. eh, I know all of that and then yeah so I- you almost flipped the opposite way where you were like the product's the hardest part everything else is kind of I can figure out and you're quite for lack of a better word you're quite scrappy in that you'll just figure something out and you'll get your hands dirty and yeah. 
And I think you have to be like that as a small business owner. Like you can't rely on the fact that you'll be able to outsource everything. Like you have to be able to get in there and be able to change products on your website and not be like beholden to a web developer or a third-party service provider that it just creates, it It not only takes longer to get things to market and get things moving, but it's way more expensive. It is. It is way more expensive. Like I haven't spent hardly anything on my website. I've done everything myself. Um, I think the most I've spent is $300 and that was just to get all the tech in the background sorted only because I didn't have the time for it. But yeah, I'm always like, I would like to try and do everything myself. Mm. And also I love to learn. So if it's something that's challenging me, I have that thing of, you know, I need to solve I've got the to problem. figure it out. Yeah, I've got, to work I've got out. the same thing. Like we're very similar, like yeah. we're very similar in the way we work, but I, I find I almost get too stuck in that area where I need to do it all myself in that now I'm coming out in another phase of my business where I need to let go more and outsource more, but I want to do it all myself because I want to learn and I want to be able to be across everything and not have it tied in someone else's brain. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm at the exact same point now. I think for me, it's like, I need to know, like, I want to know this, how well it can be done by me doing it and then give it off to somebody else. I mean, we're both um, control freaks. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, like, it's, I, I find it, especially like when I speak to other business owners with their digital marketing and things like that, where they have absolutely no idea what's going on. They're kind yeah. of stuck on, you know, what, that advertiser is actually telling them that's happening. Um, I thankfully will not be in that position. I know exactly what my numbers are telling me. Yeah. Um, And I think that's one of the things that I like that I'm really passionate about teaching people on the Google ad side of things is that this is, this is what you need to know. And no one will be able to then hide behind numbers or pull the wool over your eyes or, or lie to you because you'll have the skills to be able to do it yourself. And otherwise you are very much like you don't really know how to tell whether someone's doing a good job or tell, like you have to know a bit about something before you can effectively outsource it, in my opinion. Yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah. And I'm the same way, like in my business, I like to know how to do something so then I can give a process or give someone else the broad strokes of what I want done. They'll go and improve it, but at least then I've given them direction because it also helps them. Otherwise you're kind of just saying, go and do this. And they're like, what? Yeah, what, do you, what do you do? And you've been in that position before because you're like, yeah. you'll get instructions and be like, anyway, that's another story. Um, but I think that's been very helpful for my learning because I am, I do have that personality where I was like, oh, okay, so you want, this is what you want. I'll go figure it out. Yeah. Might not be what you wanted in the end because I didn't get instructions, but I like, learned so much in that process. And um, my business is where it's at because of those skills. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about where your business is now, because it's what, four, let's say four years, around four years down the track. Um, I remember yeah, I actually you launched it three years ago. So it took me a year to actually okay. get to market. Yeah. Right. So it is a long process. I think probably what people don't understand about manufacturing is that it'll likely be a longer process to get to market, but also a longer process to be profitable. Is that Absolutely. right? Yep. Yep. I'm three years in and I'm just making a profit now. Yeah. Right. Why is that? Because you've got to reinvest in more products. That's what sells. So, you know, if I get a small sample of something and I sell out of that, the process to get that in then is another, you know, if you're getting the exact same product in, the shortest amount of time you can get that in is generally two months. Wow. Um, so you've got to keep reinvesting in stock. So 
you're now at the point where you're profitable. What steps do you think have been key to getting to this point? Like back, I remember back when, um, we were working together and you got a call. I remember you taking a call out in the balcony and you came in, you're like, I just got some PR, like a PR sort of opportunity. It was in a magazine or it was on a website yeah. or something like that. What, what are the key parts that you think have been turning points in making your business a success? Because a lot of small businesses aren't at the point three, four years down the track where they are making a profit and successful. Um, for me, it was the combination of advertising, like knowing how to advertise really effectively um, and having micro influencers. Mm. So when you say micro, what's the definition of like a micro influencer? Like how big would they be? Oh, anywhere between two and a half thousand followers to 10,000 followers. Wow. Yeah. And you think that there's a lot of value in partnering with those sort of influencers? Yeah, because they're not selling constantly on their platform. It's not a, um, like, this is my sponsored ad for the day and tomorrow this is my sponsored ad for today. Yeah. They're genuinely like they're just wanting the product. And a lot of the time, like if they tend to approach me, um, I'm, I get quite sceptical, but I tend to prefer going out to other people. Like I'll have a look on socials and check particular hashtags that I like to follow and then find my influences through there and like very strategically look at different influences in different states so I'll have my like kind of go-to group of ladies that I'll go to at different stages of their motherhood journey in you know Queensland, New South Wales, WA and things like that. Um, yeah. I guess with your product is also that it's it's never going to go out of market with the maternity wear like it's not a it's not a market that will people are always going to continue having babies and and there's going to be new people having babies each kind of year like well that's it's it's a good thing and it's a bad thing so why is it a bad thing um because it as you know trying to get in a new customer can be quite expensive um yeah that's true there's no and, repeat buyers no, well, well yeah. there is a i do have repeat buyers but it's it's quite small that yeah. i've only have them for a window of time or me that's four years well four years five years and i'm still wearing like i'm still wearing your bra <laughs> Can you see my bra? I'm just showing Sin my bra. I, I didn't even wear that purposely because I was interviewing you today. Sin has the best nursing bras and like I have been wearing them solidly for three and a half years since you gave me a sample and they're all I wear. So I only wear Sin's bras because they're the best. They're so supportive. Even if I'm not breastfeeding, they're so supportive and like I sleep in them. I wear them constantly. I always have like my May's bra on. Thank you. They're like, oh, I, I, I have to sing the praises because they're all I wear. Um, but so you have a repeat customer in me because I'll probably be wearing them until I'm like 70. Oh, you'll but be I, excited to know where we're heading then. Good. So 70-year-old nursing yeah. activewear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I didn't think about that in that there's a limited time frame, I guess, of, of that. But that gives you opportunities to, to develop other products that can see mother's journeys throughout their um throughout their, their timeframe or their lifespan. But I guess, yeah, the, the acquisition cost of acquiring a new customer is usually the most amount of money that you will put down, the biggest investment. And yeah. then when it comes, especially when it comes to paid advertising, it's you then rely on getting repeat purchases to reduce that yeah. overall acquisition cost. So how do, you, how do you counteract that then? So I'm trying to get them 
for me, it's getting them very early on in that um, life cycle. So usually it, I tend to see a lot of my customers coming in at anywhere between, you know, the 15, 20 week mark of pregnancy where they're, you know, especially like when it's first time pregnancy or even like second time round um, where their clothes are getting a little bit too tight and they're looking for, you know, tights and I'm getting them in there most of the time, whether they'll buy the bras um, anticipating that they're going to nurse or they do purchase the tights and then they'll come back. I'll see them come back a few months later and, and then they end up purchasing a lot of the nursing wear. Mm, okay. So you try and I guess you're trying to get them in at the earliest part of their pregnancy that they're, they're needing it. Yeah. And then how are you getting the people? How do you target people during that stage? Like what are you, what strategies are you using to get in front of them at that, at that phase? Again, so it's, I, I use quite a lot of um, micro influencers, uh, Facebook, getting them in quite early in Facebook and targeting those things that you would research quite early on when you're pregnant. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, Google Ads when like they're starting to search for things. That's probably the main things that I'm using at this point. Pinterest. Yeah, right. Um, I do. I've got some Pinterest boards. I've done some Pinterest advertising, um, but mostly most of the people that come through are generally through Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, right, and. On the, I'm really keen to hear about the partnering with influencers. I've had another guest, Yuki, who's used that strategy and that has really built her business too, the partnering with influencers on Instagram. I'm sure there's been situations where that hasn't gone well. Can you, have you got any of those stories? Yes, I certainly do. <laughs> do I have a doozy for you? <laughs> and this is quite early on, so I've gotten a lot more savvy since then, but I um I had I was working with this particular influencer who had approached me quite early on in my business actually. So, you know, I had absolutely no skills of working with influencers and had, you know, didn't know what I was doing really. You're like, and sure. Be, yeah, why not? I'm happy to give you something. Take a photo for me, please. Um yeah, so it was an influencer that I'd worked with for at least a year with her first pregnancy and then she'd fallen pregnant again and wanted to work again she came straight to me and so we came up with the idea of collaborating together in you know a product that she designed and like loosely it was just like do you like this print or that print you know she got to pick elements of the the product I guess um but again like a lot of the hard work was done by me and I forked out all the money for it it was more of her trying to build her brand as well as you know it was meant to be a joint collaboration and beneficial for both of us um and then it turned out like we were it was a contra deal to begin with because I've got a very firm stance now on that I don't pay for influencers Mm, I'm happy I will I will happily pay for photography like a model for doing some photography work um I will provide um, clothing for imagery or review social reviews and things like that I will not pay for them to to take a photo and put it on their social and can you tell can you dive into why why is that your firm stance um because for me it hasn't worked I've done it before I've done it one, one or two times before and especially with some of the larger influencers like kind of like your a-listers um people see through it mm. do you um, think it comes off more as an ad rather than as a as an organic um something that they naturally like. Yes. Yeah, um, right. Okay. 
when I look at it like that, there's much cheaper advertising like through Google. Yeah. There's, there's much cheaper avenues when it becomes and becomes that sort of advertising. And that's why I like those micro-influencers because it does come off more genuine and real. And it actually is a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you can really spot those posts that are very, um, you know, everyone knows jokes about the teeth whitening and everything like that when it's someone just has a teeth whitening strip or something on them and they say that they love this strip. And it, it is very clearly an ad. Um, and it's okay to come off as an ad, but where the, you'll notice that those engagement, the engagement on those posts are a lot lower than if it's just a naturally like a mum working out with her kid and then saying, P.S. I love the tights by May's Activewear or something like that. Exactly. And the thing is, is that that's my brand as well. It's, you know, it is that mum. stage. It's that messy life. Yeah, it is. It's not, you know, all glamorous and, you know, it's my stuff isn't luxury wear. It's everyday grinding mum life wear. Mm. Um, anyway, circling back to the influence that I yes, worked with. Yes, tell me about that. But I like, I like that. I do. I, I think that's a really good um, boundary to have that you're very firm on that and you, because you've tested it and it's, it doesn't work and for others it might work, but for you it's just like that's not part of my strategy and you can go, in, you can go into collaborations very clear on, your, on your, what, what you want out of it. Exactly. Like, I'm, yeah, I know as soon as I see an influencer now and I look at their um, socials, I'll know if it'll work for me or not now. Yeah. Okay. So, so let me tell me about this. This is this doozy of a part. Yeah, <laughs> circling back. So anyway, so we would we had come up with the the actual um, product that you know, like a whole set that we were going to go through, and we've done it. We've gone through manufacturing and um, got the sample. So I've given her the scent, like the end sample, before it goes out into full production. At this point, we're still on we're on contra deals, right? Because that's all I'm doing. Mm. Um, and then, so you know, some taken some photos. And as I said before, like I will pay for photography because it does take a lot of time um, to for that person to go and you know, it's usually half a day for them at least to you know put their makeup on, get their hair done, do the tans, and whatever else they want to do. I, I'm happy to pay for that. So I, I've paid for the actual photo shoot which is fine um and then ready to launch the product and she's talking about going 50 50 <laughs> and and at she's this, actually paid nothing for the no nothing the, yeah right okay so, and then she's kind of trying to <laughs> she was trying to hold me to that she's not going to then help me promote it which to be honest like I really didn't need her to promote it anyway, really. I mean, yeah, I had the it was skill. a standalone product. It was, exactly. It was more of like, you know, it was kind of thought it was like kind of fun for her to do because I was also doing it in contrast. I also had another influencer that I was doing it at the same time. And seriously, working with these two with like chalk and cheese, one of them was like, oh, I'm, you know, so grateful. This is so fun. It's so exciting. You know, thanks for having me a part of it. And whilst the other one was just sort of like, now you owe me this and you owe me that. And it was, yeah, like it was, it was an experience anyway. So in, and I mind you at this point, I'm very heavily pregnant with yes. my third child. Um, oh, I know. oh my God. <laughs> I was ready to, I was having a meltdown on my bed. I remember my husband was just like, you know, we can give it up now if you want. I'm like, I'm not giving it up. I'm just crying. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to fix this. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. So how did it end? It ended up being that I 
I didn't use her. I used the photos that I'd purchased, didn't use her in the end for a lot of the promotion of the product, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. And how did you, did you, were you able to move that stock? Yes. Yeah. Right. Really, so I guess it didn't, yeah. it didn't matter in the end. No, it didn't. It didn't matter in the end. Okay. Because really she had done the, she had done the job that she needed in that doing those original posts. Mm. So that's really their job. Like sometimes when I think of influence, like I never use influencers thinking that I'm going to get direct sales because it's not, Mm. I don't tend to get a lot of direct sales. What it does is increases my reach. Mm. I look at it as a, um, a branding strategy and a brand awareness strategy. So then how do you, how do you measure success then from those partnerships? If you're not looking at direct sales, how do you measure that? I can see that I'm bringing in, I can see from analytics that I have an influx of people coming in on the days that they post Mm -hmm. and also on my email subscribe list starts to increase. Mm -hmm. My socials, my own personal socials then increase. Um, Every now and again, I'll get like some delayed sales from it, from their code, Um, but it's never really a direct, you know, I'm going to go out with this influencer and I'm going to move all my product today. Yeah. So. And, and that's just, is that an always on strategy for you then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. When you're talking about um, your website, do you get stocked on any other, are you looking, is that part of your strategy to try and get stockists as well? Or are you trying to just be pure play through Maze Activewear? No, I do have stockists as well. So, And how have you gone about getting stockists? Like that, do you, is that again, similar to the influencers? Like do people approach you? Do you approach them? Um, it's been both actually. So I've approached, in the beginning, I did approach a couple and that, that worked out well. And I do have them on hand. There's a handful that have I've noticed like probably in the last year that they've started, like I start to get approached. And that's just a testament to knowing that my name is getting out there. Like yeah. my brand is starting to be seen and be spoken about on socials. Because like the mummy space is great in that they love to talk about yes. what they have. So the product within itself and the group, like my target audience does a lot of the heavy lifting for me now. Mums love to talk. And I think females in general love a recommendation. Like they love to, and I find that as well with my business, I'm not in the mum space, but women who are happy with a product will share that with friends that need it. And I, I really do see a lot of that is through word of mouth where you'll have a happy customer that has purchased your bra or purchase your tights and goes around and tells as soon as their friends get pregnant, Oh my God, the best tights, you need to go and buy them. Yeah. Uh, And I do have that. Like as when, you know, I have people that come through the checkout and I've got like a, you know, a little pop-up thing, like, why did you choose this as like trying to, you know, understand my customer a little bit better. Um, And it often is, is that, you know, someone so told me that these was to, to buy. Do you notice like uh, what, um, Sally, who has a sweet set, is in the, ma- the maternity space um, and she said she'll notice pockets of postcodes that we'll purchase. So yeah. some, do you notice that too? I do. Really? Yeah. That's so fascinating that like it is truly like a little community that, that does share via word of mouth. Yeah. Well, I did. I did have like 
maybe two years ago, I had an influencer. Well, she didn't even call herself an influencer, actually. She just, she owns her own gym um, and was having her third child and just said to me, like, you know, I've seen your product, you know, would love to collaborate. Um, And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's collaborate. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I have some stuff. Um, And she's, that area around where she lives lives has probably been one of the best areas for me because she just loves to share she generally has a great following um and she's honest and real and yeah like I've as soon as I see that postcode I'm like yeah I know where that came from yeah right that's yeah I I I find that and that's probably comes back to your micro influencer stuff is that it is more organic and it is more just like hey guys get in on this because it's a really good product rather than buy this because I'm going to get a cut or I'm going to get a kickback from it I want to transition a little bit before we wrap up to running a business and we're in stage four as we're recording this, we're in stage four of lockdown um, in Melbourne and how, and you also have a full-time job, are you full-time? Yeah. You have a full-time job, you have a business and you have three kids under five, under five? Yes. Yeah. So five in four weeks. Okay. So your life is like jam-packed. Yeah. So what the hell is that like having... Yeah, I don't sleep. Yeah, you don't sleep. Just kidding. Um, it's yeah, it's pretty full on. It is yeah, it is very full on. I'm very very fortunate that my in laws have stayed with us um, to help my husband and I work. Mm. Um, but even then, like it's they come in and out of the office all the time, and you know, oh yeah, <laughs> there's no personal space. <laughs> no, there's no personal space. There's zero me time. Like I don't even know what that is anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been a real challenge, but it's also been a bit of a blessing, I think. Well, the way I see it in that had it not been like this, I would have missed out on so much time with my children. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, this is the first time I've actually gone back to work full time since having kids. You know, I was working part time before. I wouldn't have spent as much time with them and especially for my youngest Ayla like I actually am still getting to watch her grow um it does have its challenges but I think I'm I'm trying to see the positive in it but yeah the challenge is certainly real I feel the same way in that I'm um I I'm trying to see that side as well in that I do a couple hours work in the morning we all go out in the kitchen we play a game or we play a board game or something like that it's kind of more stops and starts but it's and it's funny, my, my five-year-old said to me the other day, because she's never really seen me work because she's been at kinder or daycare. So when I'm home with her, I'm not working. So it's been an eye-opener for her. She says to me, you work like you work all the time, even though it's only three you know, part-time hours, but it's still to her, so much, it's so visible to her now. Whereas yeah. before it was always invisible work because I might've worked when she was at, like at nighttime when she was sleeping or when she was at, at daycare or kinder. Yeah. but now it's so visible. Um, I do want to say maybe you find, feel the same way though. You said like you have no idea what me time is, but I would think you're the kind of person that you're working on maze would be your me time. Like you kind of get a lot of me time out of that. Do you, do you feel like that? Yeah, I love, I just love working and I've always been yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I go into my flow when I'm learning new things and, you know, achieving stuff. So yeah, you're right. That is, that is my me time. Like, and I think that's a compromise, right? Like you get to work on something that you're so passionate about that maybe isn't, it's not what, nor, what is quote unquote normal me time of taking a bath or going for a walk, 
but I feel the same way. Like I don't have traditional me time in just sitting down and relaxing, but I have me time in that I'm feeling inspired and empowered and productive and smart. And I think that that for me is enough me time at, at the stage in my life that I am. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. The other bit before we close is what about the business impact on a marriage? How (laughs) I know you're in the same office as your husband right now, so you don't have to be too specific. But just from general terms, like I find that, you know, I started my business just over a year ago now, and there is definitely a period of um, adjustment when, and and like you said before, and that your, your in-laws have moved into your house during this time so that you can continue to work because I'm sure that if that wasn't happening, your business would be the one that would be sacrificed and your job would be the one that would have to be um, made more flexible because your maybe husband's job isn't as, doesn't have the same flexibility because mums are afforded more flexibility, but they're also expected to be more flexible, which is really challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, if my in-laws weren't here, it, it would be a different story. I think we'd be fighting a lot more mm. um, in that, yeah, because I wouldn't have the opportunity to work or, you know, to have that me time is in working in my business. Mm. And that sort of, and I would be out in the lounge room with the kids, yeah. all three of them, twenty four seven. Yeah, so it, I think it would be very, very different. But in saying that, like we have a very good understanding in that um, because we do both work full time, and I'm also running Maze. That he does help, like he'll do a lot of the um, picking and packing the orders and taking them down to it's the like a family office. effort. Yeah, it's, it is like he does his part. Like when I need things ordered in, like little bits and pieces like stickers or the envelopes and things like that or, you know, little gadgets for my socials, things like that, uh, Tim's the one that does all of that. So whilst I do, like it's not just mine really, it's ours. Yeah. Do you think that you, do you think it's possible to run a business if you don't have your partner's support? <sighs> Could you do it? I think you still could do it. It would be so much harder though, especially yeah. like with the ups and downs of running your own business. Um, yeah, Having that partner support, I think is, is everything. I feel like that, like Matt doesn't do any um, logistical stuff for my business, but he is like a silent partner in that he hears about everything and gives me like advice and, or just an ear to listen to. And, and yeah. I think having, um, it would be so much more difficult if there wasn't someone that was prepared to go on that ride with you. Cause it is, it is a ride. Like you said, you're three years mm. in now and it's, it's successful, but you have to go through a lot of hard times or ups and downs before you get to that point. Oh my God. We went through so many downs before we got to this point. And, you know, I certainly could not have done it without Tim. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, the days where I was just like, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm such a failure. And he would be the one to point out to me like all of the things that I've done mostly by myself. And I think that probably for those that uh, have a business and they don't have a partner support, even more reason why you need to develop that crew of like business, like-minded people that you can rely on. I think that is such a missing ingredient of a lot of people's businesses is just having people you can talk to that understand what you're going through. Yeah. You need, you need your cheerleaders on your side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most definitely the ones that can see that when you're struggling are just like, nope, that's okay. It's just, this is just all part of it. You know, just some, yeah, yeah a, just a sounding more that knows 
kind of what you're going through and that you can provide that back to them too. Yeah, it's not a one-way kind of yeah situation, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you please let everyone know where they can connect with you online? Yes, yeah, so at Maze Activewear on Insta and um, same on Facebook. Okay, thank you so much, Sin. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. All right, how much do you love Sin? She is so honest and so real and she gives, she just tells it how it is. She's always been like that. And we're really similar in the way we work. We're both wanting to get our hands dirty and figure out things before we outsource them. And I just love that about Sin. She's so switched on and has built a really successful business that is founded on a really good product. So make sure you do connect with Sin. Follow her at Maze Activewear. All the links will be in the show notes. So click there. Chuck her a follow on Instagram. Come say hey to me. I'm at katiegriffin underscore on Instagram. And I'm also in the next couple of weeks, I'll be running a Google Ads bootcamp. So if you want to take part in that, it's a five-day free mini course kind of thing. Um, make sure you head over to my website and sign up to my newsletter. A pop-up, I'm sure, will come up and bug you to join my email list. If you do that, I will send you all the details in a couple of weeks when we're ready to start enrolling people. And I'd love to have you there. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I will see you next week on the next episode of Smart Online Marketing.